0: Good evening and welcome to the Hourglass with Isabella. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing death. Death. It's a pretty dark topic, is it not?
1: It depends on how you look at it, I suppose.
0: <laughs> That's what I said last time. Right, <laughs> is our second time attempting to do this podcast. We actually lost... The footage, well not footage, the audio from the last one. So bear with us as we try to recap some of the interesting topics. We
1: can blame Crowley.
0: We can blame Crowley, our bird. we screaming in the background, it's true. But yes, yeah, so let's get down to the nitty gritty of this. Let's talk about life and death, or more specifically death. Have you have you ever had anyone you love die in your life?
1: So it, it's an interesting thing. I, I mean, I, obviously I've had my, my grandparents are dead. Um, but grandparents are supposed to die. That's kind of what they do. <laughs> um, it's like the
0: training wheels of death, is it not?
1: You know, we had, we had a good friend of ours die a couple of years ago. Chairman. Right,
0: Chairman Meow, yeah. Very good friend of ours, actually.
1: Um, but For the most part, I've been spared having people particularly close to me die sort of unexpectedly. Or right. suddenly.
0: I think that's a good thing. Well, is it? That's actually. Let's talk about that. That's a good thing. I think exposure to death in this day and age is so much more limited than what it was, say, a hundred years ago. Hundred years ago, in the Victorian era, if someone died, they wouldn't die in a hospital. You'd die in your own bed in a house, and then they'd hold what they called a wake for you. And so we were much close, much more closely connected to death.
1: I think in socially, a we have way. a we have a.
0: We have a disconnect. We, we
1: have a disconnect. It's not. And okay. It's not only a disconnect that we don't that we don't see it, and it happens away it's it hidden, happens hidden away. Hospitals. It happens. You know, and the bodies are taken care of, and and mortuary. Sometimes they're just cremated, and you never see them at all. Um, but I think it's also as a, as a society we we seem to have a not necessarily even a, a fear of death, but but an obsession with somehow trying to avoid it and trying to trying not to trying acknowledge it, not to acknowledge it, it exactly.
0: I think that's super interesting. So earlier, I hate to make you retell stories, but you told me a fascinating story about your grandmother. Oh yeah, after so we, we
1: yeah no. So we went after my grandmother died. Actually, the there's an, actually another weird story that goes on right before this story. I was so my, my grandparents lived in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, and my, my mother calls me on I don't know a Saturday something like that and says that you know your grandmother's dying. You know, would you like to come down? And it's a good, I mean, you've, you've driven, it's a good eight hours it or is, something yeah. like that. And so I was going to get some sleep and then drive out in the morning. But for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep. So I'm just like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to leave now. So I left at like 10 in the evening or something like that. Drove through the night, um, you know, ended up falling asleep in the on the wheel, at the wheel, uh, in the panhandle of Texas. And I woke up in a ditch. Uh, facing this giant uh, sewer pipe, like this giant. Like if it, if it hadn't been muddy, I'd be dead. But, you nearly died. Yeah, I nearly on your died. Way. And so, I, and so, and so, I, and so, I, so I, wow. I, woke up obviously in, wow. in my car, uh, having you know con- gone off the road and woke up in this ditch. Um, That's and, terrifying, uh, right? Exactly.
0: That's well, a near death experience. A near death
1: experience <laughs> on the way to death. to death, right? Um, well, but I, yes. I
0: I remember that particularly because I actually. Came down to the funeral itself it was different grandmother a oh, different grandmother, different second, grandmother, grandmother. Yeah, second grandmother i came down to a second grandmother's funeral and she had an open casket
1: that's right funeral I that. and
0: i'd never seen and my mother
1: really wanted you to look at her she really come wants see to see how beautiful she looked she
0: said come see the makeup <laughs> on her and i had this personal opinion i would rather i never had the pleasure of meeting her but i would have rather cherished and held on to the memory of her being alive healthy and happy than meeting a cadaver is is the only thing, and to me, you know, at that point, you're very much a shell. Right. Right. You you're no longer really there, and so when we have these open casket funerals, I think it's more to come to terms and be around death to acknowledge it.
1: I mean, right? I, I, think, I it's, think it's I think there's something to... there's something good to it. I um, think so too. You know, the idea of being able to acknowledge it. You only get. So many moments in your life where you get to, you know, sort experience of really that. experience it and consider it. Right, because
0: it is a thing. It's funny. You yourself, in some respects, will never get to experience death. I mean, you'll do it, but right. you don't get to know what your. You don't get to see your funeral. You don't get to see how your family or friends react after the fact.
1: Sure, it's sure.
0: fascinating.
1: This is interesting, but it's. Uh, I think the original story that you were you were alluding to was oh, yes. my my yeah. my mother's mother had already, she she actually planned all of her funeral arrangements ahead of time. I think it's some sort of scam thing that they go to old people and say, don't burden your children with these details, just have it all taken care of. So she had already picked out her casket and what she was going to wear and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so we're at the funeral home and he's showing us the the coffin, which is this, you know, really, you know, it's like a light blue sort of coffin with you know metal trim or whatever and it has this little nozzle at the end and he's like yeah this is where we suck the air out so that you know your 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 deceased will be well preserved which is a fascinating concept because it really is you know the exact opposite of what uh death you know should be in a natural world where you know you're somehow going back and you know becoming part of nature and stuff. and say we sort of preserve it indefinitely. So
0: that brings us on to the whole point of this episode. Actually, it was directly inspired, and now we're re-going over this, but it was inspired by Midnight Gospel. They had one episode in particular where they talked about death, and what fascinated me most was the process of embalming. And this is something that I actually never knew, was that in the Civil War in America, you know, these people would go out and, and grab these bodies from, from the war fields right after the battle was done and they would preserve them using embalming and kind of prop them up as an advertising for how well they could preserve bodies. So then people would hire them and it created this whole flourishing industry of embalming. However, once the war was over, they no longer were really needed. And so they had to find a way to keep that industry and their jobs alive. And so it's a bit of a strange, almost a conspiracy theory, but real strange thing that they managed to convince a whole nation that embalming was necessary and somehow the body was unhealthy or that it might infect you with disease and that it had to be embalmed. And thus, it kept alive the whole embalming industry so that those Men and women could keep their
1: jobs so that, and livelihoods. So I thought that was fascinating as well. But did you, did you not in your country? Do you not do that?
0: I didn't know about this. I'm sure in England we certainly do embalming, and I'll get onto the memento mori topic after this. But I never knew that it originate the embalming thing originated in America specifically. No, here the I Civil was War. thinking
1: there was an ancient Egypt thing.
0: Well, <laughs> ancient Egyptians embalm, but it's it's, and we can get onto that. I, that's my favorite topic in the world. You know, as an Egyptologist, we can get into that. But I'm talking about the concept of sp- pumping embalming fluids into the body for preservation. Body preservation is actually very popular throughout history. But embalming in the way we know it today, actually, from that podcast I learned originated during Sewarch, mm. I thought it created a whole industry versus just allowing the body to naturally decay so on and now moving on to that i'll talk to you about the victorian thing because earlier daniel had mentioned he said well that tv show you're watching where um there was this whole thing about these people popping uh, up bodies right
1: victorian tv show about a a guy who takes photos after you're dead right which is very very
0: common i know it's very it was it really did have a great name oh god i can't remember Sorry, tv show i'll have to remember Podcast people if you're listening and you know what it is, feel free to comment whether you're listening to this. In fact, we are actually on Spotify, TuneIn, Anchor, and about seven other platforms that I don't know the name of, so it's really cool in that respect. But going back to Memento Mori was a Victorian tradition where let's say your loved one died, you would take a lock of his or her hair and you would put it into a bracelet. And it may seem morbid to us today, but back then it was very natural. Likewise, Post mortem photography that they did, but not in the sense you're thinking of post mortem. They would basically take bodies, dress them up, and have a photo of them. The whole family standing next to your dead relative, and you may think, God, that sounds horrifying. You know, if you had a dead baby or something, you wouldn't different want to than posing. open
1: casket, though. Right, but it, it's it. a
0: lot more intimate, right? Because you're actually yeah. posing with them. And but then the reason why I believe that they did this was keep in mind. Back in the 1800s, photography was a very newly developed art, and so it It hadn't had the time to flourish that it has now. Now we had 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 Polaroids and we have cell phones and we capture, if you think about it, we capture every waking day of our lives. We take pictures and post online of the food that we're eating. And so if someone that's close to you pass away, you guarantee you have a whole reel in your camera reel of memories with this person, which is great. But back then, photography was new and incredibly expensive. And so often, especially with the high infant mortality rate that was present you in the 1800s, just wait and make sure the kid's
1: going to make it to their 80 or whatever.
0: Oh, but so let's <laughs> say, well, no, let's say the kid dies early on, and you know you may never get another chance to have that unless perhaps you hire someone to paint a portrait. Do you, think, do
1: you think if they had, if you had a child who died, they would pose it like playing?
0: They, have, in fact, sometimes they There's did like that. do that. In fact, they would have. Uh, Their brothers and sisters together playing and things. So, in fact, if you look at them, you can look them up online cause there's lots of examples of these photos. Sometimes the photographers did a great job and you actually can't tell until you've been told. And many of you go back and look at it. But in other cases, it's it's very obvious because the way the body's posed or perhaps the way they died, you know, that it, you can't cover up that death as much. Do but it think, was very do you important. Think before
1: photography, you know, we, we were watching that thing on uh, portraiture. Did you think, do you think anybody ever painted dead bodies? Like, would actually make a painting a portrait of somebody after they well, died? Well, I
0: think probably yes, but I suspect at that point they would probably try and make them look living so it was more a living portrait. I think but, they had no other right, I mean, option than to work with. The would court. they actually,
1: like, pose the body and use it as a reference while they're painting it?
0: I suspect that happened. As in, especially as this photography stuff was important. I think the ultimate point on this part of the conversation is that they didn't have any other options back then and right. it was expensive and it was maybe the last chance they ever had to have a picture with your husband it's a bit, or it's your a sister. Bit like, uh,
1: it's a bit like relics, isn't it?
0: But I think we, we weren't so much out of touch with death in the Victorian era. There was such a high mortality rate that we weren't so afraid and this will bring us back into ancient Egypt now. Ancient Egyptians were marvelous in the sense that they were not afraid of death. You'd go out, you'd go to dinner with your friends and at the dinner table you'd say, well, how's your tomb coming along? Great, you know, I just got my new sarcophagus done and my paintings, how's your one coming along? They'd look amazing, and Egyptians actually obsessed in some respects and over on their death every day of their life, but to a point where it became normalized and in fact was no longer a feared thing but a celebrated thing.
1: Right. Well, and I think there's there's something, you know, and, and perhaps this is why my grandmother picked her coffin. Uh, you know, it sure is a it strange concept. Isn't it yeah. correctly, but but the They're idea not so you, fabulous. but the idea though that you somehow know where you're going, right? Like you you have you have confidence that you you know what's going to happen. And to And I your think body the ancient and,
0: Egyptians did. They were yeah. they were like really certain. We hadn't we didn't have true science. It's not really until Darwinism comes around. And we were discussing this a bit in our last episode on the universe. And People really start to—you And you were right—they—they they love religion and they still wanted to adopt that into their science. It's really not until recently that we have atheism and the concept. But maybe, maybe there's nothing. Maybe this is this is it, you know. Right. And that is a really—I always interesting like the concept,
1: concept. Uh, that I think the ancient Egyptians had, w- where where they sort of map, you know, like um, a day onto a life and then night onto death. I think there's something very very natural about that in the sense that, you know, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the moon, right, represents the, the, you know, the, sort of the, the what is it, the, the bark?
0: So, so, in, so, so, there's a solar bark, I which is the, you, sun solar bark is the around, sun, goes around, and then at
1: night, ostensibly travels through the underworld, right? Right,
0: whereas Thoth, uh, Toph, you can call him, is the ibis god, no. he actually represents the moon, and he's also the intelligence and the scriptures but Egyptians had a very unique look on death in their mind the afterlife was essentially identical to this life I mean they really when you look at the things they wanted to do and experience after death they were the same as this life and they hoped in fact when you look at something like Tutankhamun's tomb which is a rare example of a, a tomb that still contained all of the things that the other tombs that had been had scavengers and and tomb robbers it's long ironic, ago isn't it though?
1: it's because it, the reason why it got he to exist was, was, out. was yeah. because he got wiped out he
0: wasn't he wasn't <laughs> yes he, he they tried they attempted he and hatch episode, they both tried to wipe them out anyway it's neither here nor there but let's say you've got this tomb and you're saying what should i take with me to me afterlife? it's very materialistic like with objects, they thought that I was possible to say, well, you need this gold sarcophagus and you want this bed because you need somewhere to sleep and you want this food. And so, like, even in some cases, we have preserved things like figs and things are like thousands of years old and it needs beautiful pottery. It's completely immaculately preserved. But they were thinking, what can we take with us? And we look at other cultures, like even today in like Chinese culture, when there's death it's very popular to take paper money and you actually will attach it, let's say you're getting cremated, you attach it to the body. and the you can take that money with you is very popular. And this concept that I think it's a desire that our next life should be like this one because perhaps this life is good and it's a sign that we're enjoying it.
1: Do you, do you think that's that's more in touch with death or or less, in the sense that it's it's creating this sort of complex illusion so that you don't actually have to deal with it. The
0: question is, do you think humans require that complex illusion to deal with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, clearly it, clearly, clearly they f- did. I mean, you know, for 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 millennia, that's what ancient Egypt did, and, and that's what they needed to do. did very to, well, and, and, and they, actually. And, they, and, they, and, and they was, were,
0: there was nothing, so you'd have something called the opening of the mouth ceremony, and after your relative was dead, they would take this tool, uh, unfortunately, I can't show you, it's like a long metal tool kind of imagine like a spoon we'll say first and they'd put it up to the mouth and the idea is it would release your spirit and that would enable you to move about but the concept was you were still very much alive you got split into two things the bar which was imagine a bird but with your head so it was like a eagle body kind of thing like a you can think of a bird of prey like a hawk and then the head would be your head i like to think of mine
1: with the body of crowley
0: yeah, you've got a parrot, yeah, body, parrot perfect, body. Perfect, perfect bar. Yeah. And then your car, so the bar is a soul, and the car is your spirit. And the car just looks like you. It's very human looking, except you have this kind of headpiece that's two hands pointed up, which sounds very creepy. And it actually does kind of look creepy if you look it up. You can cut bar and car. And the point is, you were stuck. The car is resigned to stay in the tomb even in the afterlife it's kind of stuck in your bar the soul its job is to go out and find nourishment right so its job is to go out and about and retrieve food and bring it back right and we we have these different things we have the book of gates which is where when you die in Egypt, you have to go through this process and you have to name every single demon at the gates. They'd spend in their lives learning every single demon's name in the gate. And it was all, even as you're a child, you would learn this stuff. And then we look at things like the it's coffin test. text. It's a text. It is a test. You look at the coffin text and the Annie Papyrus, which we know as the Book of Dead, right? And it, it structures that we know, and you guys probably know Anubis. He's the jackal god, very famous. He would take. People, after you'd die, he would guide you through the underworld, and it was quite tri- a trial just to get to the judgment portion. And then you'd be weighed on a scale, and on one side would be your heart. Like, your literal physical thing, not like the heart-pretty emoticon, but your ripped-out beating heart on a scale. And on the other side was a feather, and that was uh, Ma'at, or Ma'at, and she was the goddess of judgment. And if, you're, if you've done wrong in your life and not really followed rules... You know, and your heart was heavier than the feather, then your soul would be fed to this a creature which was actually a goddess called the Ament, and she was like she had crocodile head and hippopotamus hip-a-bo- or... body. She had some leopard in the middle. She was kind of what do they call it when a creature is all sorts of chimera? things? Chimera. Chimera. She was a chimera. I wanted to say chimera, that's funny. She was a chimera of creatures. But if you'd done well in your life, right, then you could be lighter than a feather. And then you go to the afterlife, which right, it's, it's was it's certainly to this. It, you know
1: they they clearly had spent a lot of time thinking about it, and it's a lot, a lot more complex. Time. They
0: had thousands but of years to think about it, right. so you it's, can only imagine it it's very it being complex. Real. But, but it
1: got left behind. Nobody when the when the Greeks and the, and the Romans came about, they didn't they didn't like it.
0: Oh, wait, are you kidding me? They loved but, it. But I mean, it didn't
1: it didn't persist in it, their culture. It, well, it it did. They for thought some it was time. fascinating. Well, let me
0: give you some examples. Okay, so in ancient Egypt. What happened was, even if you know Cleopatra, she's not really Egyptian at all, she's very Greek. So when we talked about Platonic Egypt, well, you guys didn't hear this because I never uploaded my podcast on the Zodiac. But what happened was, both the Romans and Greeks came to Alexandria and they came to Egypt and they fell in love with the culture so much did Rome fall in love with the culture, they actually adopted their gods and goddesses as their own. And and so they actually worshipped Isis in Rome. And in fact, in Pompeii, in the Bay of Naples, you guys next to the volcano and the whole thing, it destroyed, everyone died, destroyed the whole city. They actually had several temples dedicated to Isis there. In fact, as far as England, up near Scotland, there was a Roman temple dedicated to Isis. And they took the Sistra, which was uh, this musical instrument, and adopted it into Rome. And the Greeks, the Platonic the whole line, was completely Greek and involved in that. in fact for a lot of time in Egypt's history later the art became very Greek fashion but seems they were like obsessed though that, with seems it. Like
1: though that, that, the Romans that they, loved assimilating but they, gods. But they took the, they the, take the symbols, best parts. without but they didn't take the, the whole death culture.
0: They did well Rome had. keep in mind, Rome and Greek has its own separate death culture, but they certainly took, and, and Rome was famous for this, in their conquests across the world, taking the best parts of cultures and then assimilating it into their own. So, right. so, have, so I feel the- like we've gone off topic with the Egypt thing, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel us back into modern-day death.
1: Modern-day death?
0: Modern-day death. I'm asking you a question here on this. Would you rather, if you had a choice, be buried or be cremated? That's a question. I think everyone should ask themselves why you're alive, preferably. I want
1: to be burnt on a funeral pyre? Yeah,
0: and they, you know, they do that here in, in Colorado. Crestone, yeah. But you have to be a resident of Crestone. And in fact, I had someone talk to me about this the other day, and they were like, "No, they don't do that there. It's only available one place in the United States." So I'm like, "Yes," and one of those places in the United States is Crestone, Colorado. And uh, what is Crestone famous for?
1: I don't know that it's famous, but it's definitely. Uh one of the more interesting places in Colorado. It has...
0: Well known for... Yeah, it's
1: well known for having, I don't know, a dozen different spiritual centers located there. Because basically... what's the one, Buddhist stuff, do yeah, there's, yeah, and there's Buddha. But there's also, there's a there's a Catholic monastery there. There's, you know, all sorts of uh, other retreats.
0: Do they offer some land thing where you can buy... Yeah, so the deal
1: was that they, these people bought all the land and then they ended up... Well, I mean, the irony is they wanted to actually make a, a military industrial park. Like they oh I'm they, so
0: glad they didn't do that
1: They thought they were going to make like a Los Alamos sort of thing And they were going to develop nuclear bombs and Wow, you know, advanced <laughs> such technology. a perfect opposite It didn't work out for them So they ended up deciding To to basically create a foundation To donate all this land to Pretty much any uh, religious institution That wanted to And apparently one of them wants to cremate have which, is
0: beautiful, which is beautiful Because they don't allow it in most places right. And I did look into it But unfortunately you must with the Being flaming arrow res- you must you be a the flaming arrow, right yeah well you're obviously you've seen game of friends you can't be that sod And actually wasn't <laughs> yeah, he actually, he's actually, from outlander he's, he's, he's actually, the evil exactly he's the outlander. <laughs> beautiful retribution there. no offense to the actor if you're listening you're a fantastic actor but the uh yeah that was that was beautiful you know karmic retribution that's for right. another tv show that's
1: right so yeah no i i don't know i, I think about this a lot i you know and, and a lot of it is you know you 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 want to have it's not for your benefit for any no, movie, but it's really not. but at the same time you know it's it's for the people that that you know and love and and what do you think they would enjoy, and what do you think, you know, right. so how, my how, how, case, would, how would they... Right, so in I don't
0: know how you're going to do it, but you're going to have to have a whole Egyptian tomb, and, right. you know, you're going to actually have to take my organs. It's going to be really difficult. Canopic jars. Canopic jars, thank you. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so let's let's get on to another topic I want to speak about today. Was, and this was actually a topic suggested by one of our listeners and friends, Dorian Gray, If you're there, saying Hello. He wanted us to discuss deaf doulas.
1: Or interview one, yeah. Or
0: interview one, which yeah. I would like to do as well as a separate episode. But for now, because we don't have a deaf doula on hand, we'll discuss it so that you guys at least have some idea of what it is and can learn about it. It's actually a very new movement It's beginning to see a rise in popularity after I mean, the last few years. It's a new movement,
1: right? I mean no, it is very it's,
0: it's very after it's, it's, associations like Andalia began recently offering training for it for the first time ever. It is a brand new movement has yeah, been
1: structured.
0: I mean, uh, so Dooler, so let me give you let me tell you what a doula is first. Okay. okay? So a doula refers to a childbirth coach which has been around forever. Right. Right? But doulas aren't only available for when life begins anymore. They can help when life ends too, so they can also be called an end-of-life coach or end-of-life dealer, but more commonly known as a deaf dealer right. and the idea is because we don't normalize death in our culture to now as we've had midwives which are popular and well-known in America to now bring in midwives for death so let's say that you know you you have someone in the home who is dying or you're in a hospice situation having someone there to talk you through that process and normalize it I think is important and so it's they, not just caring for physical; it's caring for the emotional and spiritual needs right. of the family and the patient.
1: So in in uh, in in Tibet, they have the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yes, uh, I love and that. It, and it's very much this sort Beautiful of illustration. The sort of the sort of guide to to where you're going to go, you know, after you die. And they believe that you you can actually hear these. You can actually hear, and so they will talk to you after you oh, die and, that. and, walk and guide sort of you for it. several yeah. days. And when Aldous Huxley died, he actually had somebody whisper the Tibetan Book of the Dead to him. So I think that was something I would like as well.
0: I think that would be cool. Yeah, I
1: think that would be good. And
0: this does bring us to an important point. It was brought up in the other podcast, but I think it is great. Well, the woman who was talking on the show, she said, you know, if you're in a situation where, whether it's hospice or at home, and you know someone is terminal and they're going to pass away and there's no question about it, and they pass away... It's not an emergency and there's no need to immediately dial 911 or call the hospital or the mortician, etc. It's okay to spend time with a dead body. It's okay to process and I think it helps- Until with they the start morning. losing into the carpet. That, yeah, agreed. But it's okay to spend a few hours, for real, processing that with a body. And it's not gonna- they're not going there and they don't decompose immediately. Right, because rigor mortis sets in. and Actually, takes a bit of time for that to happen. So, there's nothing wrong and there's nothing illegal, for that matter, about spending time with a body. Which I thought was fascinating because I always assumed, until I watched that podcast and did research on it, that you had to immediately. And if it's something like a murder or something, yes, that you that should immediately. Would be contagious. Yeah, but <laughs> something because that's what we were taught from that whole, that whole goes back to a whole embalming right. portion that we were talking about. But at the end of the day, death is fascinating. Just as much as life,
1: it is, and I, I mean, I guess, you know, and just it, as natural. I, 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 it's not. As it's being not. A, it's not a uh, completely a,
0: normal,
1: a particularly novel observation that you know the way that you look at death affects the way that you look at life, and you know the the idea that you know if if you believe that you're going to be judged immediately after, which you a lot die, of people do, then then perhaps you you behave differently, you you make better choices, maybe,
0: which is a, maybe, or which or, is a good or, or you
1: know, you know, the idea that that, okay, you're gonna be judged, but if you seek forgiveness, you know, and and repent, then, then somehow that's okay too, you know, ends up being the, the sort of the basic premise of the Catholic Church.
0: Right, right? which I and, think is taking fear of death and using it to turn it into something productive and good. And, and
1: trying to and trying to use <laughs> yes, it to, to, to shape your, your... Because I
0: think at the end of the day, everybody fears death and to say, and here's what I always say, it's not that I fear death itself. I think it's fair to say a lot of us fear the pain and the process of dying. And they are two separate things. Dying is separate from death, death is release and is as natural as being born and is this n- the most normal thing you could imagine in the world. But we fear the process because it, we fear the unknown, inherently, her- uh, saying this because right now in front of me, do you see that deer?
1: I see that deer. Yeah, it's was
0: giant deer, beautiful deer. So let me, deer, let me just, ask you a question. And you know what, Daniel? Yes? He's not a doe, he's the first buck we've seen.
1: Ah, he's got, when that.
0: they're babies, baby discs with these fuzzy antlers on them. There he goes. And he's just, it's the most, I don't know if it's... So our friend Giovanni would always say, you know, so he would talk about spirit animals. If you see an animal, it's a sign.
1: Know, is it and there's a this very... A spirit yeah,
0: there's this very young, but we've not seen a single buck. There's this very young stag, almost Bambi-like, you know, it's coming with these fuzzy antlers. And he's just very calmly right in front of us, eating the grass. And I think that's the perfect place... To leave this particular topic because he is the beginning of life and all the beauty that's there.
1: I wanted to talk about. Yes?
0: Yeah, go go for it. This is there is no. Death is not finite. Infinite. Once upon a time,
1: I went to go see this, this film in Boulder. At, uh, and it was, like, in a classroom sort of setting. And, okay. and it was a film, and it was called Timothy Leary's Dead. Okay, and I
0: want to... So, you, I was going to... Because we were talking about... We already need a catchphrase for, like, this show. And I kept thinking about... And the other day, we were talking about Timothy Leary. And I wanted to be like, Timothy Leary is dead. Yeah. And I realized that's just for songs, so it's it wouldn't song. really be a good catchphrase. Anyway, continue, good catchphrase. continue. But anyway,
1: <laughs> so in this movie, it follows yeah. Timothy Leary's last days on Earth. And I need to see and this. He, and he's talking about how... He wants to be cryogenically preserved, and 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 how you know in That's the future topic, you'll be able yeah. to take bring back his. So he wants to have his brain kept on ice and whatnot.
0: Yeah, it's still a very popular and so, thing. Yeah, and so you they're going up, through and it's, this, and it's this upload. whole thing,
1: and they're talking about his his life or whatever. And he, he's very sick in the movie. He's very sick. What then, what was he then, sick
0: with before he died? Was it um, cancer? I, or was I
1: assume so. Yeah, something like that. Um, I'll look
0: it up while you talk.
1: And and so you're watching this movie, and and you know he's on. You know, he's he's on his deathbed or whatever. And then all of a sudden he dies on camera. And you're just like, wow, that's that's really crazy. I've never actually seen anybody die on camera before. And then all of very a sudden this uh, the
0: team have to rush in. You
1: no. Know, so all of a sudden yeah. this this surgeon comes yeah, up very calmly, up. you know, picks up a a, a saw and, and, and saws his head off.
0: Right, because he saws his head off
1: on camera, picks it up, shows it to the camera, and then places it on ice. At least he
0: showed it to the camera. That's polite.
1: Yeah, you know. Right. Anyway, this was a very traumatic thing.
0: He died from prostate cancer.
1: Okay. So, so, so there's this thing, and and for many years I was freaked out by the fact that, you know, because again you don't see that many people dying in your life, and here's I I got to see this guy die, who, you know, I was super interested in, and I got to see his head chopped off only to come find out that it was all fake. What? Yes. Oh, so it was actually faked. Meeting? It was actually fake. But did it happen in real life? It did it? happen in real life, though. Okay. <laughs> but the film itself was the fake. Deer,
0: the deer is looking at Daniel, very concerned. The, the right film now. itself
1: was fake, <laughs> and it was a fake head. And and that's well that actually
0: story. We, we won't get in. Any <laughs> but it is actually
1: on ice somewhere. Yeah, apparently. we won't get
0: into too much of the topic of snuff movies. It does explore death, but there was one very famous movie in the seventies called "The Many Faces of Death."
1: Yeah, I know. Faces and
0: ev- everybody thought it was real because it had all these different scenes. Some and it, of it was, was very realistic. Was it? My understanding was later, but it actually wasn't a real stuff. No, movie in the- some of it was. Interesting. That's definitely a topic for another day. We'll have to look it up and research it and come back because if right. it is, I'm fascinated. I think
1: I think the last thing that we should speak about in this in this conversation is uh, is, uh, is Grandpa in the Tough Shed. Yes. So there is a, a town in Colorado, just west of Boulder, called Nederland, and in Nederland, every every. February early Fe- or early March I guess it is oh yes they have frozen dead, dead guy days, days and it's a big yeah. festival we should totally take the podcast there and interview people that would and be stuff. great and um but uh but basically there is a guy there who is on who's cryogenically preserved mm-hmm. um in a tough shit yeah. And they have to.
0: And they do sledding and, races. And, they,
1: and they're, they're not sledding races, they're coffin races. Oh,
0: yeah, because you're in a coffin, but still sledding in a yeah. coffin. No, yeah, no and you can animals. decorate your it's coffin.
1: Coffin races. Where yeah. actually, Down the you you have pallbearers yeah. and they carry them.
0: Oh, they have to carry them, yeah. I see. Oh, them. I, see. Yeah. Yeah. I always imagined it was like people, because it's Colorado and lot. Right, snows it sounds mountain. like yeah. you would be then like a would toboggan. Be coffin toboggan races. I was yeah. like, that's cool. You've, you've lowered that for me a little bit. Yeah, in sorry about that. Mine, that's all right.
1: Anyone. But you know, it's, it's yeah. it is a, it is that same conversation of how we deal with death, and some people some people choose just to avoid it entirely. And I mean, it's an interesting question. Like, if you plan on coming back, right? Uh, you know, and you plan on having your brain uploaded or or whatnot in the in the transhumanist uh, approach.
0: Yeah, I think I think my most like shocking experience of death that actually shaped a lot of my life was when I was a younger was actually a young young teenager. Um, there was, I was in school and there was this little boy and he had, um, very severe allergies to nuts, I believe was what it was, and, you know, we have the school cafeteria thing or whatnot, and, um, I guess that they were usually pretty good about it because they were obviously previously aware he had these allergies, but there was some trace of peanuts, something very small in it, and, uh, this, this little boy, he was like seven, Uh, basically on the playground went into anaphylactic shock and there was no one else around and so I kind of held him in my arms and the nurse from school came running over and she immediately realized he was in anaphylaxis, anaphylactic shock and I didn't know what that was at the time or anything about it but she said you keep holding him and she ran off screaming EpiPen EpiPen and nobody had one and at this time they didn't even have any in a nurse's office or anything. And so the paramedics arrived rapidly, pulled him away, and by that point he was already long dead. And it was just the strangest experience of my life, you know, to kind of have someone who's so young and full of life so rapidly, quickly deteriorate, and then they're gone. And you you know when they're gone because it's like they're there and then they're not and there's this moment where you it's very it's very natural, intrinsic, I think, to the self, so that always shaped me a lot growing up and my concepts of death and handling death, I think, you know, because I was young as well, so I think that kind of thing definitely changes you a lot. And Daniel's looking across the garden at the stag, because he's, he's, he's so majestic, isn't he? He's getting, he's getting very he? close. He's getting very close to he us. he
1: wants to be in the, the podcast. He
0: probably wants to be in the podcast. Unfortunately, stags can't talk. Otherwise, mm. we'd interview him. Yeah. Yes. But give me give me a final note to leave this on cuz hmm. I was trying to end it earlier and now we're right oh, at the I'm time sorry. to do so. I, I, kept, no, you, I kept you going Yeah. At it.
1: I had to talk about. Uh, yeah, it was a good. You know. It was a
0: good conversation. I think the the listeners will enjoy that. <laughs> I think it was necessary and good.
1: How, long, how I well? I feel like these things should be an hour long. Do you think they should only be thirty five minutes long?
0: Uh, so my plan was because obviously, as you guys know, the show is called The Hourglass Isabella. I was looking to do two episodes of thirty minutes each, so not to keep you too long, so it's still fresh and interesting, but have two in different topics in one episode. Mm. I don't know if there's a way to do that. We're still working. on mm, it. There is. Them. We
1: just need an hourglass. Yeah.
0: Do they make half hour hour glasses? glasses. Half hour glass. If anybody has a half hour glass on this half
1: hour glass, on this
0: half hour glass, yeah, we'll get you a
1: half hour glass. Very good, that's fantastic. I guess
0: there's one more thing we should discuss because this this is poignant to where we're at now is COVID 19. Yes, because I think this has made us, all of us, a lot closer to death than we used to be. And in fact, by the time this is done, a lot of us. ...will have encountered death with people we love or people we're associates with or know. And so I think it is a very important topic to discuss with you guys... ...and, and, and not to be... the final thing I want to say is not to be afraid of death. You shouldn't be any more afraid of death and you should be living your everyday life. It's the most natural so thing do. So why is that,
1: if I, if I may ask? Yeah, why, because, why should you not be afraid of death?
0: Because here's the thing is, if you, should you it's be afraid unknown. of being born?
1: Well, no, but you have you have, you have you have, you have no consciousness before then to be... Concerned. Right, so you know
0: what my father... Maybe, maybe it is,
1: maybe it is yeah, frightening. You know what my father maybe used to before, tell me? Yeah.
0: He used to tell me, I would say, what's it like to be dead? Because I was scared or I was a little girl. And he'd say, he said, I know exactly what it's like. You want to know what it's like to be dead? And I'd say, yes. He's like, okay, I want you to think. And I was like, okay, okay I'm thinking. He's like, think back to when you were born. I was like, okay, he's like, think before you were born. I was like, I can't, there's nothing. And he said, that's death. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, mind blowing. That's, you know?
1: that's a very Zen koan.
0: It's a very, it was actually, for my father, it was very
1: Who are interesting you and thoughtful. Your original face? And in
0: fact, nothing is. I don't know if you guys have seen Bojack Horseman, the animation, but actually, that episode, I think it was the second to last episode that dealt with death, I thought was very meaningful. And and very compelling so if you have a chance and you've not seen it you should certainly check out the show but it's very dark and depressing trigger warning there I
1: think a lot of people are afraid of death I think that's okay and though. that's okay
0: to be afraid of death it's, it's I think it keeps thing. you alive I think you, right? you're designed to be afraid of death because our whole body is geared around survival and self-survival right. taking care of yourself and very much being alive so take that and run with it be this, this deer friend here is not particularly I know he's lovely I can't tell you guys how magical this is this deer has gotten really like feet away from us and he's just eating the grass with his fuzzy, he not afraid of death. adorable antlers. He's, n- but that could be a bad thing if he does. If we we're a mountain lion, but yeah, if we were going to eat
1: him, he would be a really good. I, th- I think
0: he senses there's no danger from us. even though we're talking, which is magical in its sense. And we all know how Bambi went. So on that note, I'm going to say that's a wrap. <laughs> and any last I think words? You did a I know I'm going to get a better Let's- catchphrase. Bye.